0: Hey, this is Becton Bodenheimer, and thank you for tuning in as we celebrate my grandfather's birthday on The Shadows Podcast.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Shadows Podcast. I am your guest host for today's special episode. To introduce myself, I am the newest member of Tripp's team with the EPMEIC cadre. My name is Cameron Chilco, and today we have another special guest—actually, your host for the Shadows Podcast, Tripp Bodenheimer. So, everybody, welcome in your actual host, Tripp Bodenheimer, for today's special episode.
0: Sir, welcome in. I appreciate it. Tell our listeners out there, like what you did in the Air Force before you became one of us, before you became an instructor.
1: Okay, so yeah, absolutely. So I was a, I was a Security Forces member in the Air Force for about six years prior to transitioning over into the Airman Leadership School instructor realm, where I then got lucky enough and and uh, did a little bit of marketing to get myself over to EPMEIC, along with some awesome leadership that I had that supported me along the way. So I'm happy to be here and I'm happy to be with you
0: on this team. I appreciate you doing this. I appreciate you helping me out with this episode. This is one that I, I thought about for a while and I was like, I don't know if I do this one solo, if I just do it like I did my my episode 3 or if it's something I have somebody co-host and today's actually our 100th episode under like the shadows umbrella uh, and that consists of the rise from the shadows episodes along with the shadows I know it could be a little confusing, as you can see, this is like episode 87. But yeah, 100 episodes that we have put together and still put work into 100 different ones. And uh, I just want to thank all of our listeners out there who have listened to any of them along the way uh, and helped support the show in any way, shape or form. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, special shout out to to the listeners of The Shadows. I started listening around July of last year is Mm -hmm. when I, I caught on. I went back and looked at my episodes prior to coming on this one to make sure that I was relevant with what we were talking about. And I yeah. was like, man, when did I start? So I went back and I actually had notes that I'd been wanting to, to message you. It's funny. And I'll show you those at the end here. Oh, nice. I, nice. I remember, um, we're,
0: we're in my office. You were like, yeah, Steve Gamlin. And you started naming out some people from
1: previous ones. But no, that's cool. I appreciate you. Heck yeah. Well, let's get rolling on today's special episode. So today we're featuring your father. -hmm. Edward Charles Bodenheimer Jr. As we know, your trip—you're the third. Um, You said your dad went by Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Bodenheimer. Awesome. So, tell us a little bit about your dad up front, and then we can dive into what we're what we're getting into today.
0: Yeah, kind of my dad's upbringing in in a nutshell. Born June 30th, 1951, Red Springs, North Carolina. Give Red Springs a shout out here on the podcast, and uh, he was a son of. Edward Charles Bodenheimer Sr. and his mom Doris. They worked at the Bodenheimer Furniture Store. And yeah, he had an older sister, my Aunt Anne, who I absolutely loved her to death. One of the funniest people for me to talk to. Yeah, I grew up loving sports, loving Carolina basketball, football, pretty much anything North Carolina sports related. Loved his family more than anything in this world. If I could sum him up, best father ever, period.
1: Yeah, definitely. You, you unpacked a few things that we should jump in on. And, and foremost, you said that they had a furniture store that both uh, your dad, yeah, that they, okay. So how did the furniture store, the, the family history of the furniture store, did your dad in his upbringing, was he pushed toward inheriting that furniture store when he went the ROTC route? How, how was his upbringing?
0: You know, that's a really good question. I don't know if the furniture business was something he wanted to do long-term. I really don't recall him talking about much of his aspirations that he had as a kid. I think he, in his mind, probably thought he was going to be starting center for the Washington Redskins or perhaps thought he was going to play second base for the New York Yankees. But after – well, I mean – you ask about his upbringings, the, the furniture store. I really remember very vividly. Anytime I go out to Red Springs, I still take a picture of the side of it. You can still see Bodenheimer furniture painted on the side. Um, but yeah, he, um, uh, I mean, from all that I can take away from it with pictures and letters and notes and things that he's told me and things that I've heard from family members, they had a great life. They had a really good, good life living in Red Springs. And um, uh, my, my grandmother, I mean, she was just absolutely beautiful. I remember my, the way my dad would talk about her and paint this picture of her with his words was absolutely incredible. I just wish I could have met her. Um, her hair, you know, he would say she had this really long hair that would go all the way down to her butt. Um, and But he, he adored his mom. He really did. And she passed away uh, March 12, 1963. She was working at the furniture store and she complained about having some headaches and then she collapsed. They rushed her to the hospital and uh, unfortunately she passed away. And it really, I mean, rightfully so, came as a huge shock to my dad and my grandfather. And at that time it was just two of them in the house. And I know they struggled. I read letters that my grandfather had written to my aunt, Ann and he talked about how my dad was having a tough time with it. And I think that's something my dad struggled with his entire life. He talked about his mom a lot. We always had pictures of her around the house. And I remember him probably about two months before he passed away. We were sitting out on the trampoline in our backyard in Charleston. We were just kind of staring up at the stars. just He and I. I remember he started talking about his mom and he was talking about how she loved Coca-Cola and how she loved, I love Lucy and her personality and how she'd have all her friends over uh, in the afternoons and, and, and just hang out while the ladies of the neighborhood come hang out with her. And he just really, uh, you know, just, he, he loved his mom to death. And um, I think he constantly, he, he seeked my grandfather's approval And I think that's something that, that drove him both good and bad. And he, oh my gosh, his, his relationship with his uh, sister and it was, he, he, he loved her to death too. Um, He always, always talks about her and uh, she had a, she had a, oh my gosh, larger than life personality as well. I remember her telling me the story about how she was going on a date. And my dad took a frog and put it in her pocketbook. She went on her date. I think she got in the car or something and realized and just completely freaked out. But yeah, he had a great, great, uh, childhood up until losing. Yeah. Once, once his mom passed away, I think that really impacted him and he, um, he struggled. He struggled keeping on some weight, um, and there's a pretty, pretty funny story that I heard that I, I probably would withhold from the podcast, but it was, um, what he did during the summer. <laughs> yeah. He, he struggled with losing his mom. That's something I don't think he ever really got over. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he was always getting in trouble. He had a Plymouth roadrunner. Ooh. and yeah yeah and no Chevy Cruze but he had a Plymouth Road <laughs> and from stories that I've gotten like from a uh, you know George Hall who was a friend of my dad and working at the furniture store and um my cousin Ben who oh my gosh he we had the best talk the other day just I think we talked like three hours just talking about my dad my dad would uh get in trouble and my grandfather would basically take the road runner and store it. And that was his punishment is he would take his car from. Him. Well, um, George told me when, when I'd asked him for some information, he said that he would actually go and help my dad get the car out and drive it around for the night. And then he would put it back up. And my grandfather never found out about it. Um, wow. but my dad actually got a uh, speeding ticket, a really bad speeding ticket racing someone in the road runner. And he had to end up selling a car to basically pay for the speed ticket. So he lost that ended up getting a grand Torino and just (laughs) loved that car. Um, And then, uh, you know, anybody I've ever talked to, they're like American pie by uh, Don McLean was his song on eight track in that grand Torino. Yeah. And then he, he, you know, played sports growing up, played baseball, basketball, football. I mean, you look in the yearbook, he, he lettered in just about everything. But yeah, that was, that was pretty much his, his childhood. Like I said, it was, it was, um, I mean, he, he did a lot. you look at his resume in terms of what he did in high school, I mean, he, he was very uh, decorated, but I think internally, I I think he was mourning a lot from the loss of his mom.
1: Yeah. And, and so with some of those points that you, that you had picked out right there, you, you had mentioned that, you know, he loves cars and he also loves sports. So, when when he had bought that, that Roadrunner, how did he how did he afford it at the time? Was he working? Was he working at the furniture store? What
0: what was happening? That's a good question. I don't know. He may have been doing some little odds and end jobs around the furniture store. And I could be I'm somebody's gonna tell me that I am w- way off on this one, but <laughs> I don't I don't remember him ever telling me that he worked at like a McDonald's or anything like that. Um right. so yeah, that's it's actually a really good question. Somebody out there has to know, but yeah, for all I know, his dad may have just got it for him. If you're hearing this, help us out in in yeah. determining,
1: yeah, what all happened with the the Road Runner the sweet and rides. And, yeah, yeah. And how did he come into the the Grant? What color was the Grand Arena? We gotta...
0: yeah. I miss him. You got a Yeah, I'm missing. You're trying to fill some holes here that I don't have answers to. It's... Look, at that Yeah, people, help us out with these cars. <laughs> the colors will help determine
1: a little bit more of his childhood personality. Did he have an, an orange or yellow Roadrunner, or what color? You know, that's oh, where you're going now. Okay, right. Yeah. yeah. So, no fun stuff. You mentioned sports. Did you ever have your hands on any
0: of his yearbooks? Oh yeah, yeah. I actually found a couple of his. I think it's the Red Mill was the Red Springs yearbooks, but uh, yeah, I, I found some pretty sweet photos of him. Uh, Suiting up with the, the shoulder pads and his football uniform, number fifty-one, played center. Um, baseball, very, very, athletic, but very undersized too. I think I saw in high school that he was like, you know, a buck sixty for a. Center. That was my next question for a center. How big? How tall was he at the at that point? He was pretty tall. He's like my height. Um. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he. So he claimed. He claimed. I, I do remember this. If you were to talk to him, he was like, Yeah, I'm like five ten. He never sniffed five ten. He was more like five, seven, five, eight.
1: But well, yeah, I mean, if, if he's your height, we know he was a mountain of a man. So
0: Yes, yes. Broad, that's- that's- yes. But yeah, five I think he was like five, seven, five, eight. I think that's I remember my mom telling me, you know, whenever we would he would be talking about his height. Um, but I do the same thing. My, my Arizona license is I'm five foot nine. I'm not five nine, but yikes! they just let you type anything in those Arizona thinks I am. So
1: that's it. (laughs) So backtracking a bit more, you had mentioned his relationship with his mom. How was his relationship with his dad when his mom had passed away? What was that like for for your dad?
0: Yeah. You know, I know he adored his dad. I know. and, And look, I'll tell you my grandfather, one of the finest men I've ever met in terms of just character and and just work ethic and everything. And I loved him until the day he passed away. Um, You know, he was um, very, he was very upset, obviously, rightfully so when my father passed away, but they had some ups and downs just like any parents do. Um, And it had to be hard on my dad. I know. And, and on my grandfather um, when that happened, because I mean, that's just, that's, Sudden, I, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine. I, I'm sure it was. It was probably a little tumultuous at times, but um, at the same time, I know that anything he did and succeeded in, I can pretty much find a picture of my grandfather standing right next to him. Um, so I know he was his biggest fan. I know he. He. You know, um, my dad strived to uh, please my grandfather. Like he wanted his approval a lot, and um, it's. It. I. I know. That's probably how he felt because I do the same thing with my dad. I I found myself doing something, even though he's not here. And I'm like, gosh, I wonder if he would approve of this. I wonder if he would, you know, be proud of me for doing this. Um, So, yeah, I I, just based off what I've read and what I've I've heard talking to people and stuff and because I really don't remember too, too much of the interactions. But I know that we always did Christmases and holidays and stuff together. So just like any parents, but had a great relationship.
1: Was that approval from his dad what led him into ROTC and and a later career and future in the military as well as? You know, I I think so.
0: I think so. So My grandfather, very successful, had the furniture company. I mean, he was just doing great things. And Red Springs is a small town. And I think with my dad, I, I don't think he really knew what he wanted for a while. I think he went to Carolina. He went to North Carolina at Chapel Hill. He was there, I believe he started in 1970, but he went to Carolina, was at Carolina, was having a good time at Carolina. And he joined ROTC, and this was crazy because my cousin Ben told me when he joined and kind of put it into context for me. But 1970, that's when the Kent State massacre happened. That's at the height of Vietnam protest. I mean, it was not the easiest of times um, to, to go in there and say, like, you know, yeah, you know what? I think this is something I'm, I'm interested in doing. Right. And so just. I, I would love to ask him now, like, what were you thinking at that time? Like, what was what made you do that? Well, yeah, he, he went to uh, ROTC at Carolina. My grandfather uh, had previously served as well and he had been overseas and I think my dad was just kind of wanting to follow in his footsteps but I remember him telling me some stories about being on sea for as long as he was and um, you know just like he he loved it he loved it when I talked to him about it Um, loves Top Gun Top Gun was like his go-to movie that that kind of the nostalgia piece kind of made me think now with you know the second one just being released like ah what would he think of this one and right around this time for this episode too and right right around around this episode. episode yeah that's crazy um but yeah he he loved top gun i still remember that but yeah he he loved his time in the navy and then he finished up and served his time and then was like boom campbell law school and that's another one too like I wonder, you know, gosh, if he was a guest on here, I would be asking him, like, what do you think it was? Where was that turning point where you decided you want to go towards practicing law? And Campbell Law School, I think, was established in like 1976. So he was the class of 1980. So he was in one of the, I don't think he was in the charter class. I think he was maybe that second or third one, but got there. And then apparently that was like his thing. That was he found his calling card with, um, with, with practicing law, and he um, passed the bar the first time, which is extremely hard. That's to impressive, right? Yeah, passed it the first time, and uh, partnered up with Hugh Rogers, who I don't I don't know if Hugh is still practicing. I know he was in Lumberton for Hugh Rogers is actually the defense attorney for Dimery and Green. When uh, okay. Jordan's father w- was murdered, but uh, those two had a uh, Barbara Collie who, Barbara, I, it, it's, it's kind of funny. I still talk to Barbara on Facebook. I, mean, she, I, I get to hear all kinds of stuff about my dad and I love hearing from her. And um, yeah, she, she worked there with him. And uh, she told me that like his very first case, he had, it was a rape case. And she said he walked in, he started walking up the steps and, you know, she heard the door close and she said she was excited because it was their first verdict that they, they had on one of his cases. So she runs over to the steps and he's, he's kind of moping as he he walks up the steps and she's like, what happened? He said, "Um, not guilty. And she's like, that's great. That's, that's good news. And he was like, what if I, let a guilty man walk free. And I think that story said a lot to me about, you know, he wasn't just this guy who was a defense attorney who was going to be a slime ball. And, you know, cause defense attorneys kind of get a bad rap and they hear that story and see that, you know, like his conscience was really weighing on him. And then um, th- there was another one where she said that this guy was just a really bad person, r- done some really bad things. And she questioned him. She's like, why are you even defending this guy? And he's like, everybody deserves a fair trial. They do. They had their law office. And um, across the street was uh, a guy named Doug Murray's office. And my mom was a paralegal over there. And I could be wrong. But what I think happened was I think that he had called her. He called over there. They started talking. uh, The windows were uh, across from each other so they could they could actually see what one another were doing barbara told me stories about how my dad would look over there just trying to get a glimpse of her and i think he, he would go over to doug murray's office and my mom says he would find excuses to go over there and i think he asked her out to lunch she couldn't do lunch so i think they did dinner or, or vice versa but I I think he took her out to lunch and then he asked her to do dinner and, and it was, he, he was pretty much, you know, in love with her from, from the start. And she tells me stories about how he would jump on Cadillacs and tell her he loved her so everybody could hear it. And even when he proposed to her, it was in St. Paul, North Carolina, this restaurant, I can't think of the name of it, Um, but he took her out there and he stood on the table and proposed. And she's like, Charlie, get off the table. He was like, well, when you say yes, I'll get off the table. And she said, you know, after that, that first date, they pretty much saw each other every single day after that um, for the rest of his life. And he adored my mom, loved my mom to death. Anybody you ask, they pretty much say, you know, gosh, he, he just revered your mom worshipped the ground she walked on. And I know he did. I know he did. Um, And, you know, I've I've always said if I could have half the marriage that that he had with my mom, then then I'm doing good. I'm having a successful one. Um, But yeah, he absolutely loved my mom.
1: Yeah. And with that, you know, what what memories do you have growing up with
0: your your mom and your dad and that relationship there? (sighs) My mom was a disciplinarian. Without a shadow of a doubt, she was the discipline. Nice Yes, she was, she was the one where, so if I had a bad grade, like I remember when we were living in Charleston, I got a bad grade on something. And um, I like, I walked in the living room and I kind of like looked around the corner and my mom was back in the bedroom watching something. We had this long hallway that went down to her bedroom and my dad was sitting on the recliner and I was like, I got two options. I take this to my mom and I get a tongue lashing or I give it to my dad and I get a, this is a learning moment. So I took it to my dad and my dad was like, you know, I'm going to sign this, but I'm going to tell you something. You got to get better at this. Next time I'm not signing. She's signing. And that's all I needed to know. I was like, okay, I use my get out free card. Um, but no, they... We traveled a lot. We went to uh, a lot of vacations. I remember we'd go to the mountains of North Carolina, Disney. We'd go to Disney a lot. Um, I I told the story in one of my previous podcasts, but I loved Figment, the little purple. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yes, yes. All right. So Figment was like one of my go-to Disney characters. as like an eight-year-old. And I had the hat with the autographs of the Disney characters. I could not find Figment anywhere. So my dad goes up to this worker at Disney and was like, can he, my son really, really wants the signature. And they talked for a minute and the guy walks behind like the character fence and comes back like five minutes later with my hat. And it's got Figment's signature on it. And I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that this little purple dinosaur had signed my hat. I'm sure my dad was like, look, man, go behind the fence, sign figment. Make my son happy. All right. (laughs) Because the amount of joy my dad had on his face when he saw like how happy I was. Um, he was a superhero to me. I was like, oh, he did that for me. This is so cool. But yeah, he um, coached my baseball, coached my football. He was very hard on me in baseball specifically. I remember um, I didn't want to play for him at, at one point. Cause he was so hard on me, different person on the field than he was. Competitor version of my dad and dad version of my dad were completely different, but um, yeah, we, um, we had our, our Friday night traditions. We would go and get Chinese food at the Golden Dragon in Lumberton and go by Blockbuster and then go to the grocery store. And I looked forward to that all the time. And he would, he was, he was like a kid at heart in a way. And he had the ability to just, I think my, my cousin Ben summed it up best to just be eye level with, with a child. And I meaning he can go in a, in a, you know, courtroom, beat some, beat down a, uh, another attorney, but then he could go home and he would, you know, he'd go out to my room and play action figures with me or play Nintendo. Uh, he, or he got me some Nintendo games, I think for my birthday. And I came home from school and he's playing them. You I was like, what, when do we get these games? He's like, They're for your they're for your birthday, but I gotta make sure they work. And he's playing these games.
1: Um you remember it, what they were?
0: I think it was like RBI baseball. It was probably like a uh, uh, wrestling challenge or something, but yeah, he and then um like Nancy Honeycutt, who was a you know, really good family friend of us, she would her and I think Ellen McLean, I think it was two of them there was like this little triangle between the three of them of playing Zelda when Zelda came out and this is before you can go on the internet and get codes and all this, but they would call each other like throughout the night trying to figure out how to navigate through the game of Zelda. And I remember going to bed and I remember my dad sitting on the floor playing Zelda at like nine thirty, ten o'clock at night. Um, you know and, I, and now I, and it's crazy because now I'm like, gosh, he was forty years old doing that, and now I find myself doing the same thing, but yeah, my um I remember that, and um just how he was with my nephew Jonathan, like he would you know always get down to his level and play with him. He was only like a year old, I think when my dad passed, but I really remember that a lot in Charleston, and um uh, yeah, even Christmas mornings, oh my gosh, Christmas mornings, uh my parents were amazing um they were amazing at christmas they, they really were and i remember he would go up in my room and just play with all my toys with me and then he would go to my sister's room and he had no shame he would play with her toys with her and um which it really made me feel good when i talked to my cousin ben and he was like yeah you know uh, your dad would come home from college carolina and, and play with paper dolls with um my cousin doris um so yeah, just hearing little things like that and, and remembering that I still, I'm very intentional on in doing that with Beckton as well. I go in Beckton's room and whatever it is she's doing or, or if there's a video game she's playing, um, she's, she's trying to navigate through breath of the wild right now. And Fun game too. It is. Huge game. Large it map. It is testing her patience with a lot of things. That's and, it. Uh, but yeah, she'll, she'll come in and get really excited and, you know, we'll, I'll sit down and, She couldn't beat somebody. I can't remember what level it was a while back. And she'd been trying to do it all day. And she was just defeated when I got home from work. And I went and sat on the couch. And she ended up beating him in like two attempts. Um, And then she told me I couldn't move off the couch anymore.
1: Uh,
0: (laughs) But no, I I see a lot of her in him. And I I just think it's, um, yeah, so many good memories. So many good memories. And North Carolina games. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about that. We would go to uh, Tar Heel basketball and football games. And one reason my dad was just the best is because he would – and this is a North Carolina thing. If you're not North Carolina, you probably won't get this. But um, Fridays of the ACC tournament, Trip Bodenheimer was sick. The Thursday-Friday of the NCAA tournament, Trip Bodenheimer was sick. Um, Yeah, every year this bug got me. Uh, and I had to stay home for those. he would write that doctor's note and say, Every, were I sick." To. I had to. And it just so happened that there were games on TV. But, yeah, I, I remember. And even, gosh, up until, yeah, he passed away. I remember staying home from school, the ACC tournament, and the NCAA tournament, and uh, watching basketball with him. And I, I've never seen anybody lose their cool as quick as when a North Carolina game comes on. You know another funny story about Carolina is nineteen ninety three a c c tournament I just remember this because it was in Charleston well, I lived there one year uh, Susan and Reed Caldwell had came down with uh, Matt will Katie their kids who they're my they're my family they're all of them Susan and Reed are my parents as well and they come down to visit for the ACC tournament and we have this huge thunderstorm that comes through and uh, the the power was taken out of our house. It it was just, it it was no power. Uh, My mom told the story about how this tree like fell down on the road when they were driving and uh, we had to go get uh, kerosene from the gas station. And the line was really long and it was freezing cold. We had all this rain and, uh, Reed and my dad stayed in the car listening to, I think it was North Carolina and Virginia <laughs> and Will and I were standing outside getting kerosene. Um, and still to this day, we talk about that story, but yeah, loved him some Tar Heels, but yeah. Yeah. It was Carolina was, was a huge part of uh, bringing to watching that with him going to games
1: And a lot of the points that you had mentioned is, is a side that you wouldn't think of a defense attorney going home at night and playing with dolls and playing Nintendo. You, you, what you see on TV isn't necessarily what you get. You got stuff too serious. Yeah. You came home and you had a father, you had a father who could sit down and have fun with his kids. And that's the goal. Yeah. My sister
0: had a, we we had an intercom system in our house in Charleston and she would give him this list of like morning announcements And he was the principal of her school and he would get on there and she had the chalkboard and her stuffed animals with the students, but he would get on there and make morning announcements. And then if she had a troubled student, uh, she would bring them down there. And he would, I remember he would have his yellow legal pad and he'd be working on stuff. But when she would come in there, I, I still remember he would be really deep in, you know, that fifth gear working on his stuff. And then she would come over and say, oh, my gosh, uh, such and such just got in trouble for yelling at another student. And he would actually put his stuff down and go like, well, let's go deal with this. And he would get he never was like, just get out of here. I'm busy. Never did that. He always, always, always put us first. Um, And that's something I still try to carry with me to this day is that, dang, even when, you know, things weren't the greatest for him. I never knew it because he was still the best dad in the world and role model too. It sounds like, yeah.
1: So how else, how else would you see that your dad influenced you in in your choices now where you
0: are today? For the longest time I was, I was chasing, uh, trying to measure up to him. I was trying to chase that. I was like, gosh, he went to Carolina. I didn't, he was in the military. I wasn't, he had a successful law firm, you know, for the longest time, I didn't have that. And, you know, I, I used to sit there and think, uh oh, I didn't go this route in my life because, you know, 10th grade, I lose my sister going into 11th grade. And I'd just lost my father five years previous. And, you know, I, for the longest time, I felt like that was an excuse that I was just saying to myself to kind of mask any failures that I had and um but i gotta remind myself he had a loss as well a huge loss in his life when he was at a young age we were nearly the same age when we lost um our parent and but he he still overcame all that he found his calling card which was um, being an attorney for me it took me a little bit longer but I joined the military. So I kind of followed the same path as him. I joined the military. And then from there, I, um, found my calling card with teaching. I think that's the one thing that I've, I'm just like, Oh, so passionate about it. And it's something I love doing. And I, I think once I stopped trying to go down the same road as him, I almost ended up there. Um, and, and I think, and, and then being a, a good dad to Beckton. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sit here and toot my horn and say I'm the best instructor or that I'm the best master sergeant in the Air Force or the best podcast host. But I'll say when it comes to being a parent, challenge me, challenge me. Um, and that's something I think I picked up from him.
1: And it sounds like he's inspired you in a lot of different ways too. just, you know, career path, your hard work, your work ethic being able to separate being a father and being a master sergeant in the air force. Yeah. Sounds like all of those are life lessons in which he, yeah, he definitely taught
0: you. That was, that was a good point about the master sergeant thing, because even like now, like, I know you, you know, like the amount of work that we have behind the scenes of teaching, and especially this time of year with summer with, with conferences and summits and all this stuff going on, it would be, so understandable for me to be like Teresa Beckton tonight, I need to work on all this stuff, but I still have learned that can wait Beckton can't that can wait Teresa can't um, I need to spend time with them and not be glued to my computer or my phone or whatever um, even with the podcast you know I put the podcast on on hold after a set time I'm like I'm done with it I, I'll email people tomorrow um. But yeah, I definitely think I picked up on that from him.
1: And has your mom ever compared your personalities and traits allowed to you between your dad and yourself? Oh, yeah. So like, what has she said?
0: Yeah, she has. Um, and, and then others as well. I think the biggest things are uh, charisma, which, I mean, being an attorney, like y- you got to have that that charisma. He He would actually do things like he would study little tactics that, other attorneys that he was going up against did. And he would almost like play that to his advantage. Um, witty. Yeah. 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 Very witty with that. And then wit ooh, wittiness. Oh my gosh. Uh, the ability to come up with little one-liners on the spot or comments. I have that, but Beckton is, Oh my gosh. She is incredible with it. She, I mean, you saw the video. She jumped on a bike at walmart and started pedaling and couldn't go anywhere and she's (laughs) like do you want to play a game i'm like what what (laughs) and and it sounded like saw it was great well it was funny because she was struggling to ride the bike for one (laughs) um
1: but i mean and i heard it firsthand with with barton too you know that was yeah yeah oh yeah you saw she
0: walked up to barton and just met him and he said something to her and she snapped one right back at him and he he was just like what he was caught off guard yeah but um now I think you know the wittiness the having a big heart both of us have, have had such a big heart that it's actually like burned us at times but um yeah and just you know I think with a lot of the things that I do, I even catch myself sitting in a certain position and then I'll look at a photo of him and I'm like oh he's set this exact same way um, so it's it's cool to see that yeah yeah definitely and I mean, just
1: looking back at at pictures of what your dad's done, cool memories. One thing that that I would say is maybe for the listeners and myself included to have a better picture of your dad creating a collage for us. So I have a
0: reel if you go to my Instagram page. I saw it. Yes.
1: Yes. So just plugging that out there for your listeners and everybody to see it too. And and you know, one other question that I had for you was if you could sum up your dad in a catchphrase or a one-liner, how would you sum
0: up your dad? One line, best dad ever, period. You know, my dad, he wanted the world. He wanted to be the best attorney. He wanted the best lifestyle. He wanted to provide the most for his family. And he did. He wanted to, I think the two flaws that my dad had were he was constantly like seeking that approval, feeling like he had to do more. And then two, he, um, he just made some bad choices, but we all have. Uh, he made some bad uh, investment opportunities. He, he made some bad choices that I think if, well, not that I think, I know, that if he were to go back and be able to repeat all that, I think he would have slowed down. And like Ben was telling me the other day was, you know, he said, you know, um, if he would just would have focused on being defense attorney, he would have been one of the best in the Southeast. You know, I look back and I'm like, I had him for 11 years. And like I said, you know, episode three, uh, I had him for 11 years. And A lot of people were like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You only had him for 11, but, That 11, I'm blessed to have had. I wouldn't trade him. I'm here today because of those 11 years that I had with him. I'm here today because of talks that he gave me sitting on the steps at our house in Charleston that I still remember. Um, So his legacy, you know, we, we, we last talked to each other the 23rd of June, 1993. And I still hear his voice. I can still you know, hear him cough. I can still hear him laugh. I can still hear his, you know, him say certain things. And just thinking about it, it's, it's nearly been 30 years and I still can picture like it was yesterday. And I carried so many of those tools. There's, there's people that we all interact with day in and day out that, that just they're, you know, we label them as toxic or we label them as poor leadership or laissez-faire or whatever. And you walk away from him you don't have five, 10 years from now, you have zero takeaways other than just they were a jerk or, you know, uh, even great people. But the fact that here we are 30 years later and almost every aspect of my life is impacted by him in some way, shape or form um, with, with teaching, um, mentoring others, uh, being a father, being a husband his presence is all around me with, with every single thing that I do still to this day. Um, Even this podcast, this podcast has his fingerprints all over it. Um, So, yeah, I think that's very, you know, you, you asked what time it was and I told you how to build the clock, but yeah, I think that's it. I think the biggest thing is just um, his, his presence is still here with me from everything that I do.
1: And if you could remember that, that day in 1993, well, What were you doing at the time when you had heard the news?
0: Yeah, I was actually in the house. Um, I was upstairs with my sister. Um, we had like this game room. We were up there. And uh, the last conversation I had with him was we walked by. I walked by him. I think I was getting scissors or something. I was getting something from downstairs. And my mom was in the bedroom my dad was on the recliner I still have that recliner by the way it's in my my bedroom um, but I remember he was sitting on the recliner and they were about to watch I think they're so, they had recorded their soap operas they had DVR nothing like that they had to record it during the day so they are about to watch that and um, I walked by him and, uh, and that's when he grabbed me on the arm and he's like hey if anything ever happens to me just know that um, you know I want you to take care of your mom and, and Myers and Kelly and I'm like gotcha and he's like I love you. And I said, love you too. And he gave me a kiss. And I was like, okay, all right, let me go back upstairs. And then probably about 30 minutes later, um, he had his heart attack. And yeah, I remember that day. It was just a blur. It was a, it was a huge blur. Um, I remember walking down. The, I remember hearing the noise. It sounded like pots and pans had banged or something. And Myers went downstairs and I'm like, no, 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 don't go check. Just come back over here. And she went down the stairs and checked and looked around over to her left. And she saw my dad there. And, um, yeah, he would sit on the recliner with my dog, uh, Mikey. And uh, he just, I, I guess, felt it come and pushed Mikey up, stood up, called my mom's name out, and he fell. Um, and then I remember the EMTs coming in. I remember sitting in the bedroom with my sister. And uh, I was just like, what is going on? Like, this is, like, my life's changed forever at this point. The next morning I woke up, I remember waking up and I remember thinking like, this has got to be a dream. But I remember we slept in my parents' bedroom, which, um, you know, I, I never really did that. I, I remember I woke up and, uh, I think it was just Myers. And I think my sister Kelly had driven down and came and got us, but I remember going to the hospital and seeing them. And, um, I ended up going and staying with my sister in Bladenboro, um, for the, the remaining days that he was in the hospital and, um yeah it was bad he had a really bad heart attack and um I remember my mom coming to pick me up and and letting me know I remember getting in the car and her telling me um when it happened but yeah
1: what a powerful story too and for him to reach out and tell you you know that if anything ever happens to me just know that I love you I mean that's that's a testament to his character I think
0: he knew he was sick though I did I mean, especially the, the, older I've gotten, I think he knew, uh, his health wasn't the, the best. And there were, there were things I talked about in that episode where I was, I was talking about how, um, you know, I would catch him breathing in a bag and it just, for a long time, I beat myself up over that, but, but I knew he, he wouldn't want me to do that. He, he's, he was, he would have told me now, if I were to talk to him, he's like, look, I, I told you that because I was trying to, you know, protect your mom and I didn't want your mom to freak out. Um, so I know he had his reasons for it, but yeah.
1: Right, right. And the whole time you were talking about, you know, that one-liner, best dad ever, the one thing that I could think of was a coffee mug that said number one dad or yeah. a shirt. I don't know if you've seen the new shirts from Top Gun that say that have the Top Gun logo oh, style. I have, yeah. That say top dad. You have that. And my wife bought me that. Yeah, and I was like,
0: you yeah. have one of those. It's funny
1: because when I was thinking of it, you said your dad is one, he was a Top Guns fan. Yep. And two, you said he's one liner, the best dad ever. Who, who better to have a top dad shirt than your father? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm uh, oh, sorry. You would have rocked that. He would have worn it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. That's what I was thinking the entire time. But I mean, do you have any final parting shots that you want to leave your listeners with to, to sum up,
0: a special episode for us? No, I want to thank you for doing this. Um, you know, this wasn't like I asked you just to jump on a co-host. Um, but th- this is probably the most nervous I ever was before an episode. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to sound braggadocious, but you look, I, we've had some incredible guests on The Shadows for the past 100. I mean, we've had awesome, awesome, all, people that I, I'd like pinch myself talking to. And this was definitely the most nervous I ever was getting on and hitting the record button. Um, it's something that I've, I've, I wanted to do this when I started the podcast two years ago, I kind of did the math and I kind of added up this date and I was like, Ooh, I could drop that special episode, right? here. So this is something I've been planning for like two years is get on here and just, you know, letting people know about him. And, um, So I can't thank you enough for doing it. Uh, Once again, like to all of our listeners, thank you so much. Got some pretty cool news coming down, which, uh, you know, I kind of spoiled it and told you about that earlier, (laughs) but not going to tell everybody just yet because I got to get it finalized, but keep your eyes and ears open, especially on the social media pages for, for some upcoming stuff. But um, yeah, if everybody could just take a minute, especially if you interacted with my dad send me a message and tell me like, you know, something that you remember most about him Um, and, and, you know, give him some love today. And um, you know, for those who knew nothing about him, thank y'all for taking time out of your day um, to, to hear just a couple of moments um, about trying my best to chronicle my dad's uh, incredible 42 years that he lived into this, you know, one hour episode can't thank you enough. And, and hopefully you got something away from it.
1: And this was special too, especially your, your friends, your family, your dad's friends, coworkers, yeah. everybody that knew him are hopefully going to be tuning in and, and listening to this and jogging those memories of your dad to give you maybe something that you haven't had yet. So definitely, I thank you for letting me be a special part of this special day for you and the, the shadows podcast together. So, Thank you again for this. This has been fun learning about your dad, learning about where you've come from and, and your tendencies and what your dad has taught you has been special for, for me. And I'm sure it'll be special for your listeners. Yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. But that, that'll that be all. That's all that we have here. Yeah, tell, tell no. me.
0: See you next week on the Shadows Podcast. And we'll see you next week on the Shadows Podcast.